Somebody has written that love is what makes the world go round. Indeed, there have been more songs that have been written on this subject more than any other. And it really doesn't matter just what genre of music. Multiple songs have been written with this particular theme. And even right here in this atmosphere, we regularly sing about love. The love of Jehovah. The love of Christ, the one who died for our sins on that cross. Our love for the Holy Spirit who revealed the Holy Scriptures to us. The love that we are to have for one another. It's a very noble topic. A very noble subject. Love. And so those hymns that are probably the most precious to us. That love is just something that we have to experience. It's not just a a human emotion. Though obviously human emotions are very much involved. But love is something that we must experience in order to survive. You know as well as I do the importance of the embrace of a little child. Nothing that can warm the spirits of those who are adults more than that embrace of that little child, but particularly if it's your own son or daughter or your grandchild, because it's very special indeed. We understand how much that we appreciate the hand of a friend or an arm that will help stretch around us, especially during the time of such crises. And then to know that the God of heaven who made all things really is interested in us as individuals that makes life worth living. We need love. We need love. We can't survive without it. And so a little baby could be born and left on the steps of an orphanage. And that baby is taken into the orphanage and it's given a warm bed and some food to eat. But did you know that if that lady, if that little baby is never touched, that it is never handled, never hugged or loved in any way, the only needs given was food and just a warm bed, that that baby would die? Because it would die without love. It must experience love. We've got to know that somebody, maybe not everybody, but that somebody really does care for us and loves us. Did you know that you can't have a successful marriage without understanding something about 1 Corinthians 13? Very much so. Don't forget this foundational chapter that love never fails, Paul said. Love never fails, but why? Why is it that love never fails? Well, there are some things that Paul said that were coming to an end. You know, 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14, the context is spiritual gifts. And so in the context there, Paul says that these things are going to cease to be. 
In 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 8, if you have your Bibles open to that, he says, love never faileth. But whether be, there be special prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be special knowledge, it shall vanish away. But what does he say will continue? I mean, the thing that we've been talking about that is so important is the only thing that will continue to exist, and that's L-O-V-E, love. It will continue. And so verse 7 says this about love. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopeth all things. And it endures all things. That's why it never fails. And that's the subject for the next few minutes tonight. Let's consider what he said there. In 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 7. That word all. A-L-L. It's a very common word, and it's a very small word, but it's the most complete word in all the dictionary. What does he say there? He says, love bears all things. That love believes all things. That love hopeth all things. And that love endureth all things. And so it's a complete word. For example, we understand based upon 2 Peter 1.3 that the scriptures are all sufficient. If the scriptures were all sufficient, we do not need further revelation from God. All sufficient meets every need. And so it is that love bears all things, and that's a complete statement, believes all things, that's a complete statement, and you get the point. And so we talk about verse 7 tonight as we conclude this series asking the question, why love never fails. Love bears all things. That word bear is very important if you're a student of the Bible because you understand what we've been called upon, and that is to bear burdens. But then we learn from the one who bore our burden that Jesus the Christ was our great burden bearer, wasn't he? And so it is that we read of our Lord Jesus Christ, the sweet invitation that he offers. He says, I will bear your burdens. In Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30, he says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for, my, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, now listen, and my burden is light. He's not saying that you will not have any burdens, but he says, I will help you with those burdens and I will balance those burdens. How many times have we considered Isaiah 53 where we have a picture of the Messiah who is to come, who would bear our sins. He would be a reproach for you and me. His stripes would heal us. 
And what is Isaiah 53 all about? Well, it's the suffering Christ, the suffering servant of God who would bear our greatest burden. So if we think about being burden bearers, don't we have a marvelous example to follow? Yes, we do. And that's Jesus the Christ. A great example. That marvelous example is Jesus himself. He was the sin bearer. In his own self, he bore his, our sins on the cross of Calvary, 1 Peter 2, 24. And so we sometimes sing that grand old hymn that he bore it all. And he did. He really did. They cried out to Jesus, if you be the son of God, you come down off of that cross. Nails held Jesus to the cross. No, it wasn't nails that held Jesus to the cross. If we're talking about the one who said to the raging storm, peace be still, and the storm cease raging. Nails hold him to the cross. If we're talking about the one who after his death would walk up by his own might and power right out of that tomb. Nails did not hold Christ on that cross. But what then held Jesus to the cross? It was his enormous love for you and for me. He loved us. He is the great burden bearer. So we learn from him, don't we? And so fulfill the law of Christ because love bears all things. Now in 1 Corinthians 13, here's the context. Love bears up. When you've been wrongfully treated, when you have been mistreated, love is that which bears you up. Doesn't Ephesians 4 and verse 2 have to do with bearing with people? I mean, if you... To look at that passage, it's just a few pages over. In Ephesians 4, 2, have to do with bearing people. Notice Paul says, we are to be a lowly kind of people. A lowly kind. We are to be filled with lowliness and meekness. And he says, forbearing one another in love. How about that? Bearing up with love when wrongfully entreated. You see, love endures wrongs. Love endures evil treatments with a beautiful spirit of kindness and forgiveness. Listen to Proverbs 10, 12. Hatred stirreth up strifes, but love covereth all. There's our word all again. All sin. Love covers a multitude of sins. A lot of things can be overcome through the power of this wonderful biblical word, love, exemplified by Christ Jesus. And so in 1 Peter 4 and verse 8, and above all things have fervent charity, that is, or love, among yourselves, for love shall cover the multitude of of sins. What was the spirit of this one called Jesus? Well, when he was reviled, he reviled not again. He couldn't do that. It was not his nature to do that. But he could not do that because of you and me. 
He, and so what did he do? He endured the cross. I don't think that we really understand what that means. That the very Son of God left the hope of glory in heaven, came to this earth of sin and sorrow and sickness because of his enormous love for you and for me. And he went to that cross and endured that cross. He endured it. You see, because to repudiate that cross would mean he was repudiating his entire mission. He came as a great burden bearer. And love bears all things. And therefore, Jesus had to endure the very mocking, the very cruel punishment that he was receiving because otherwise he could not have been that burden bearer. When he suffered, the text there says, he threatened not. He just went ahead and did it. He took it. Now I want you to notice something interesting about the personality of Jesus. And I want you to watch how different it is for most of us. Jesus got angry when others were abused. He got angry at the Traditions of men which were elevated above the law of God. But when a person was attacked, he didn't always get upset. When a person attacked him, he didn't always get upset. So many times, it's just the opposite of that for you and for me, isn't it? When somebody attacks us, we get so angry... He causes us to be filled with anger and we're ready to strike out at that somebody. But that's not what Jesus did. I would encourage us to be more like Jesus in that particular area. Let us get upset when his father's will is under attack. But not so much when we are being attacked. You remember Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stirreth up anger. Paul even learned that there were some things in his life that were more important than his feelings, right? He did not wear his feelings on his sleeve. He, be, he would be willing to suffer all things that he might be able to promote the glorious gospel of Christ. In Philippians chapter 1, here's a beautiful example of how Paul had lived his life. And here's a man who's in prison. Here's a man who was cut off from his family and from his friends. Here's a man who's been very much mistreated and sometimes by his own brethren. In Philippians chapter 1, he makes this statement in verse 15. Notice what he says. Some indeed preach Christ in even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. He is saying that there are some people who preach and really don't have good motives. The one preached Christ of contention, not, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds. Verse 16. Paul says, there are some out there 
who are interested in only one thing, and that is hurting me. That's what they want to do. They're not, they're not so much into anything else but to hurt me. It's not so much that the message is wrong, but that they are motivated out of hatred for me, he says. But look at verse 17. But there are others out there who are motivated by love, and he says, they know I am set for the defense of the gospel. They know it. But listen to this statement. It's very beautiful in verse 18. What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, the gospel is preached? Whether it is motivated from pure motives or not, Paul says that the gospel of Christ is preached. And Paul says there's more, that's more important to me. And as long as that's being done, he says, I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Because of the love of God abiding in you, dear friends, you're able to bear up under these trials. That's the first point, point that love bears all things. But now the second point. Love not only bears all things, it believes all things. Somebody said that that sounds like a person that is gullible and naive. Well, love believes all things. It, no, it doesn't mean that love is gullible and naive, but it means regardless of the circumstances of the situation, you take the best view. You put it in the best possible light always. And that's what love demands. You've heard me tell the story of the cookie snatcher, the lady who bought the package of cookies at the airport and she got her a drink and she sat down waiting for her flight and then of course time began taking its toll on her and she looked down and there was the package of cookies opened and so she reached down and she took one and she ate it. The gentleman sitting next to her, he reached down, he took a cookie, and he ate it. He, he got one of those cookies, and she looked at him as if she could shoot him for what he just did, right? And he smiled at her, and she couldn't believe it. What kind of man is this? She got another one, he smiled and returned it, and he got one too. She surely could not believe it that he got two of them this time. She, she, they went back and forth together with this package of cookies until finally the last one, he got it, he split it in two and gave her half. Right? She was so angry, she got up and she walked off and how dare that man to didn't eat my cookies only to get on board of the plane and open her purse and there was her package of cookies. She was eating his. But he had the right spirit. He had the right attitude. He was kind. She wanted a cookie. She can have it. You see, love puts the very best in almost every situation possible. When a charge is made against another, 
The person who knows how to love, like we're talking about here tonight, is the last one to believe it until it's proven otherwise. And then even when facts prove something to be true, we still believe the best about a particular situation. We don't add to it, nor do we tell it. This kind of love we're talking about would not allow that. I really do believe that some people would rather read and believe some publication that's filled with character assassination and innuendo about a brother or sister in Christ instead of studying and to follow the very precious book divine. If that is true, that means that there is a lack of love. But 1 Corinthians 13, kind of love in the souls of some individuals is the right kind of love. Listen to Galatians 5.15. Galatians 5.15, it says, But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. How do we guard against that? Well, we study 1 Corinthians 13. Letting love reign within us. A love that bears all things and believeth all things. And number three, love hopeth all things. You find a heart that's filled with cynicism and sarcasm, doom and gloom. That, that person is lacking in love, isn't he? Lacking in love. You see, this love demands that we keep our heads up. It's like that old timey song that says, staying on the sunny side of life, right? That means something to a Christian to be an optimist, not a pessimist. To look on the bright side, not the dark side. To be positive, not negative. A loving soul seeks the very best of things in life and cheers others along the way. Well, that's what Onesiphorus did to the Apostle Paul. You know, Paul, once again, as we consider the dark days that he had in his life from the physical vantage point, though his soul continued to shine brightly anyway, but he was the one who needed the encouragement. And he gave a lot of encouragement, but he needed it. And Onesiphorus came to his rescue. He came to his rescue and was the one who was like an oasis for the Apostle Paul out in the middle of the desert. And Paul says, he oft refreshed me and what is not ashamed of my chain. 2 Timothy 1, 16. How many times have you visited the hospital or before or have gone to somebody's house and they were homebound? They can't get out anymore, but your spirits were lifted by making that visit. Love hopeth all things. And therefore the person who is filled with this kind of love, even while such an individual is going through these trials or affliction, they can still encourage you and me. And I want to be that kind of person, don't you? Love hopeth all things. Love finally endures all things. Love sees us through it. That, the, the Phillips translation, as it is sometimes called, says this. 
Love can outlast anything. Love can outlast anything. That's a good summation of 1 Corinthians 13. That love can outlast anything. It never does surrender. It holds on. It carries us. It carries on. In Galatians 6 and verse 9, we find that Paul encourages the brethren not to give up. And he says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. What is it that pushes us on and encourages us to endure? Love does. Love understands that. And love never fails. How long then it will last? Well, Paul answers the question, 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 13. He says, And now abided faith, hope, love, these these, these three, but the greatest of these is what? Love. That will endure all things. How long will it last? I think it's, in, it's understandable why that's true. One day, the hope that we have within us will be realized, would it not? That's in heaven, and that is love. Love. Because love remains and it lasts. In the movie of 1939, Gone with the Wind, do you remember that Scarlett's father, the plantation owner, the owner of Terra, had said to his daughter, land is the only thing that lasts. Land is the only thing that lasts. Not really. Gerald O'Hara even missed that one. Because all those things that we see now that are material in nature, according to First or Second Peter 3, shall be burned up. That won't not last. But what lasts? Souls of men last. And the First Corinthians 13 kind of love will last throughout all eternity. As we bask in the love of our Savior, I trust and I pray that a study of 1 Corinthians 13 can continually benefit you and me. Love and learning to love like Jesus, the one who left heaven's glory, died for us, a sacrificial and selfless love that we might live. Why not respond to his invitation even tonight? Because when you do you're responding to the great burden bearer. The greatest of all burden bearers is Jesus the Christ. He came to this earth to live in the, and to die for us. Luke 19.10 tells us that he came to seek and to save those who are lost. And if you're lost even tonight, he's come for you. Because of his enormous love for you, he endured that cross. He endured that pain that brought him to that cross. And thus, he endured that cross and died on it. Shed his blood to purchase the church of which you can be a part of even tonight. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? Are you willing to repent and to make that good confession and go down into the waters of baptism to have those sins washed away? We hope that you'll make that decision even tonight. You see, love 
never fails. And the love of Christ will never fail you. Even after a child of God, you've wandered away. His love for you is that you'll come back and be restored. Can we help you tonight? Won't you come? As together we stand and sing.